I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today on The Detail, I'm trudging through the mud to Te Paparahi, a remote forest block on Aotea Great Barrier. It's bounded by a farm on one side. Down the gravel road is a tiny beachside community with a marae. The nearest shop is 30 minutes' drive away. In the bush here, it is eerily silent and not in a good way. Yes, yeah, there's not many birds. You know, you can hear a couple right now. Mm. Grey warblers. That's Hiku Davis. A couple of fantails, but compared to, say, or Kiwi Basin, where they've been having their um, cat and rat control for a while now, it's, it's very silent up here. Yeah. Kind of sad. It, it, it needs it, you know. It really needs this project. He's talking about tu mai taonga, which means standing up for our precious treasures. The project is led by the two main iwi of Aotea, Ngāti Rehua and Ngāti Wai, and aims to get rid of feral cats and rats and bring life back to the forests. And this rugged 4,500 hectare block needs life. Last year, it recorded the lowest number of birds of any of the 18 sites monitored around the island. So threatening are the predators, the last two kōkako were taken to Hauturu Little Barrier in the 90s. For a thousand years, you know, as Manafeno, we've relied on our environment to survive, and now um, it sort of relies on us for its survival. You've got quite a special role here. Yes. My role is to track in front of the field team to identify sites of a significance so we could avoid them. Because mm-hmm. these lines are going to be here for years. Yeah. You mean that these are the pest yeah. trapping lines? Yeah, the trapping lines. Yeah. yeah. The old people don't want people walking in through these sites and disturbing them. And... Hiku was chosen by Komatua for this job as Wahitapu advisor on Te Paparahi, walking ahead of his field crew to make sure their 150 kilometres of cat trapping lines don't encroach on the sites of his ancestors. We've gone off the main track and are clambering through rough, wet, muddy bush to a ridge line. Mainly these these tracks are on, on the ridge lines. Mm. And the ridge lines were high traffic areas for for the old people in Manafino. Mainly what? storage of kumara. So there'll be kumara pits, there'll be um, campsites, there'll be pass sites. And what happens when you come across these sites? I would uh, identify them first, and then um, I would avoid them. So it's like saying to them, well, you can't, you can't, the track can't run along here no, because, no. because this is tapu. Um, tapu. What, so what are we looking at here? This is a house site area. So the people that were looking after this area in front of us yeah. have been staying here. And this was when? How, how long ago? 600. Oh. Could have been even earlier. Ooh. You mean 600, 600 years ago? Years. Right up until, could have been the 1850s, I think it was. How have you become so adept at recognising these sites? I don't know, it's hard to explain. It just is. You've grown There's up a, to, in, amongst it? Or? Yes. So these, these stories of like, old people handed down, and I've got a bit of interest in, in history from a young age and it's just grown from there. In fact, he was just four years old when he spotted a stone while playing on a rocky beach 
that somehow stood out from the thousands of others. It was identified as a broken handle of a patu, or ads, that set Hiku off on his lifelong fascination with the past. Jesus. It's a big job though, isn't it? Oh, it's okay. huge. And You've probably just... seen the maps and all that. Oh, well, I'm... <laughs> You're either walking up or down. Or down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What are we looking at here? This is um, typical for uh, Kumara storage pits areas here. So, see one hole there, another one there, and it will just carry on for a while. Mm. But they, they chose spots like this because you can keep them dry. And this land was confiscated? Yeah, it was sold. It, it shouldn't have been sold, but it wasn't sold by Mana Whenua. It was... It was sold by other people that were related to Mana Whenua. Yeah, there was a lot of dodgy deals going back in those days, in the 1830s, I think it was. It wasn't a good deal, and Mana Whenua that were here really didn't have any part of it. They, they were just still doing like this. They were still growing their kumara, harvesting from the land, and next minute people showed up with pegs and surveys and said, this is ours. <laughs> that was, yeah. How do you feel when you come across these kind of sites? I mean, is that is that a very sort of spiritual feeling for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, walking almost literally in the footsteps of our ancestors is a it's a different feeling. You know, it's a overwhelming respect for the past and you know what, what happened before. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do this for. For the land, for the for our people, for for everyone, you know, the birds, the nahiri. So, yeah. With this project in my Taonga, there's a lot of talk about obviously the restoration of the land, but also for the mana whenua, it seems like the restoration of the language. Yeah, it's, it's restoring our whenua, restoring our the Modi and the mana of our area and who we are. And you know, giving back to instead of always taking from it. A lot of mana whenua haven't done well. Yeah. Probably for generations. Yeah, there's not really much out here. There's nothing really. There's there's no work. There's nothing going on really. There's building jobs. There's bits and pieces. So what difference does this make? This for, project for our people. Yeah. A big difference. A big difference. It makes a difference between being able to pay your bills and eat, and you know, it's sort of bringing us up. What does it mean for you? I can do things now, you know. it's uh, Before this job, I was on ACC, I had a back injury and it was kind of hard. But getting out here, and it's good for my health. Everyone that works here, it's good for them financially. And, it, and being part of something that's, I don't know, bigger than yourself. I think I've got the full pack. <laughs> Hi. 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 Morning. Uh, we should go. Um, so this is Willie. Hello. Hi, Willie. Oh, I'm yeah. Sharon. So these, these are our two imports. Imports. <laughs> um, Willie, Willie's been with the project since day one, and his wife is a teacher at Kotoki School. I'm meeting some of the other workers in this groundbreaking project, Willie West. What do you know about this kind of work? Have you done it nothing before? Nothing much. No, nothing. No, no, it's all new to me. But... He is a hunter, though. Yeah, I love uh, hunting. The push here is just absolutely... It just makes you stop. 
so. Well, then I've got a bush, you can be walking along any of these tracks, and it's like this, and then you come around a corner, and there'll be big Family stands of kneecap palms or, or something else, and you're like, holy <laughs> shit, and the bush just changes. Yeah. It is pretty cool. Oh, it's great that you're part of this then. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. So it's, it's good for the soul and good for the... Mm. Mm. Yeah, so. Long as my body holds up. <laughs> I'm getting a bit old for this shit. I've got a hernia and i got that and a big elbow. <laughs> but I just take my time. Yeah. 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 No rush, that's what the young ones are for. Yeah, Tearing absolutely. So what are, you, what, what are you doing today? Uh, we're just carrying on cutting tracks. Basically oh, okay. go up, uh, following the dots on the on the phone, and we're just going to finish the track till it links up to another track, and then we're back out. So we've got 200 metres to go, which is sort of a day's work for a couple of people, but with all this, we hope we'll knock it out for half a day. So a couple of days slobbering around in the mud to sort of get a bit sick of it. But, um, yeah. And it is a bit more dangerous, I suppose. But, um, yeah. So one, two, three, four, five. Everyone's got your PLB first aid radios. Are you guys going to go up the first track? Yeah, the The good old steep hill at the end and we'll walk up that one. And Carlina Wee Davies is here with her teenage son Leo. I was going to say, like mother, like son. Splitting image. Are you from the. all of these young people too. Australian very proud. Are you from the island? Uh, I am. Were you working before you started this job? I was a teacher in Torres Straits. Oh, were mm. you? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Gosh, that's a big that's change. Mm. It's a big well, and you came back here to um. Yeah, to my dad. My dad's um. Jimmy. So he's a kaumātua here for the wee family. Okay. So big part of this whole. So it's, and his daughter too, so I feel really proud. Also, this year, you know, so gosh, that's amazing. And so you came back with your son, with Leo? Um, I did. Well, he came back first, and then my dad started getting a bit sick. So I just dropped everything and no time. As Carlina and the other workers head up the track, we're driving back along the gravel road to Tumai Taonga's office at Fitzroy to find out more about the logistics of this multi-million dollar project and to find out what it will take to get rid of these pests. There are estimates of 1,000 feral cats and 250,000 ship rats killing tens of thousands of native birds every year on Aotea. The project's operations manager, Chris Giblin, says no one really knows what the figure is. I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, OK. It's all just make-up figures, really. Yeah, Even feral it's cats, a... it's a make-up figure. We, we, they've never collected the data to really know. Right, right. We're at the office overlooking Fitzroy Harbour, where a room is filled with all the things you need for a pest eradication programme of this size including a new hut for the field workers at Te Paparahi. to take me into the back there and kind of show me all the stuff that you collect up for the... Oh. Uh, uniform. Yeah, so this is a cupboard with um, lots of high-vis stuff in it, Chris. Yes. <laughs> and this is what all the workers are going to be wearing when they're, when they're out there yeah, yeah. on Te Paparahi. Yeah, in Te Paparahi and all over the all over Great Barrier Island, Aotea. Um, so all our gear is from Stony Creek. Um, and it's built for 
been in the bush and mm. yeah it's all about keeping the guys warm and dry and safe yeah yeah and we're just going out to the back of your office now into this big space where you've got all kinds of things packed in cardboard boxes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um because we've got a few operations underway so we've got one campsite that's getting set down in um, a bay called Anyahua or um, Rec Bay um, so there'll be a few people working from down there so there's we've got a whole lot of tents and cookers and camping gear and stuff for them and then we're also um, working from Tarawika Hut um, which is where the, most of our field crew will work Monday to Friday each week and even in the weekends. Um, and so we're just setting that up with a big 24-volt solar system, uh, fridge freezer, um, big solar panels, stretchers, um, mattresses, everything that they, they'll need. Um, they'll include um, Starlink internet and hot showers, um, ability to wash dishes, etc. Because how many people are you talking about working up there? So we will have um, up to 18 people working on it every day um, and we'll be sleeping about six people at the hut seven days a week. This is your logistics <laughs> hub. So, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and over here are the, these are the yeah, cat and cages. So we've got four different types of cage traps. Um, and the reason for that is we're trialling the effectiveness of each trap. So they all have, there's four different types. Um, so two of them are rigid, two of them are collapsible, um, and then two of them are single door, two of them are double door, two of them are painted, two of them aren't. And so we can build a picture over time as to you know what 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 is the best way to um, catch feral cats using cages. Have you got any idea how many? cats for example are up at Te Paparahi? Not yet um, we're starting to build that picture so we've got 230 trail cameras that are getting installed um, currently we've got about 40 of them installed. We know that we've got really high numbers so we, we're detecting a cat about every four camera nights um, which is really high considering other places on the Great Barrier it's one cat every hundred camera nights. Um, from my experience we've highest well, one of the highest densities that I've found in New Zealand um, and yeah the estimates on numbers there never really has been the correct survey to figure that out yet um, some some think in the vicinity of about a thousand um, I, I think it's much higher um, in feral cat control we're removing about 350 a year um, and we're not seeing any change in the population so give it a year and hopefully that silence um, won't be there anymore. It's this is an intense project. Very intense. 4,560 hectares is Te Paparahi and we have just under 600 traps getting installed in there. So it's 150 kilometres of trap lines. I'll be fascinated to come back in yeah. a year's time and see. And so we've also got kill traps in this room as well. Oh, so okay. We, we use a mixture of cage traps and kill traps. Yeah. Um, so these are Steve Allen traps. There's about 230 of them in here. Um, and also some rat traps as well for um, just doing a little bit of rodent control around our traps mm -hmm. to stop um, rats getting into the cage traps and setting them off. Um, yeah. So cats are a bigger problem than the rats? Um, they're both they're both bad. Um, rats are really hard on the environment. They eat a lot of seed. They eat a lot of insects. Um, cats 
they predate on birds, um, they also predate on insects as well. We know that we can eradicate feral cats off Aotea, um, so hence why we're starting with them. Um, rodents are much more challenging. Um, like feral cats, we have two traps per 20 hectares. If we were to look at rodents, um, because we've got curity out here and also mice, we would have to have at least one device per 25 square metres. So you're talking millions of traps into Paparahi as opposed to um, with feral cats, it's only 500. So once you get rid of the cats, what, you're going to go for the rats? So, so at the same time, we're also doing a rat eradication trial on some of the islands um, around Great Barrier, and that's looking at different ways on how we can eradicate rats at a landscape scale. Um, also knowing that after your time up at Hirakimata, you kind of appreciate how steep and ragged the terrain is. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, without without an aerial eradication, um, there's no real, there's not really any other way to do it. Um, so we're trying to see if test things and see if we can find a new way. And two big, huge freezers here. So this one, this one here is filled with all our field, oh. um, with all our food for our field crew when they go up to the hut, um, and we keep this topped up. We haven't topped it up for a while um, but we yeah we provide all their food when they're up there just to make sure that they're eating healthy and having good nutritious meals at night and then this one here um, will be filled with chunks of rabbit which is what we use for our ketchup back in the bush with Hiku Davis so physically it's huge Um, but also you know like I've seen the map that shows all the spots where the um, cat traps are going I mean but the um, the rat trapping side of it that's that's a huge huge part is it I think we can do the cats well not easily but we we can it's it's achievable it's the rats yeah there's catching one at home every night so (laughs) but I mean compared to other operations like with the on the mainland, we've we've only got rats and cats to deal with. You know? Yeah, yeah. We don't have possums or musclids or, and we're an isolated island, so we're sort of insulated for, from reinvasion. I mean, these cats have been here for well, since the arrival of Europeans, and was that when Cook came out, was it 1769? From then on. Did it take a lot of persuading of yourself and other people to be part of this? Uh, for me personally, I knew it was it wasn't going to be easy. Physically, it's 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 a huge area. It's very rugged. It's um to get up to the main our sleeping area is like I don't know three and a half to four hours walking along this, but <laughs> very steep. Yeah. And then you've got to you know walk another three, four, five k's, maybe six. Yeah. One way, and then that back you know back to the hut. But after you know Chris and Markety explained to me. Yeah. The the plan it was like okay no this can be done. Okay. It can be done. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Hiku Davis and his co-workers and Chris Giblin. Matewa.